Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to the RC Industry Podcast, episode 96. For those of you new to the show, I'm comedian Simon Kane, and this is the podcast where I interview the most influential people from the worlds of stand-up, comedy, radio, and today, Edinburgh Comedy Promotion. Ben Verf and John Miller are two of the four Barrel Boys who founded Monkey Barrel Comedy Club. This place is an amazing purpose-built venue that rose from the ashes of Ben's original club in the grass market in Edinburgh known as the Beehive. We got into the future of the Edinburgh Fringe, the future of Scottish promotion and the circuit, and why they were so sensitive about keeping the new venture quiet until they were 100% sure it was going to go live. We also covered a little bit about crowdfunding because if you're a regular listener, you will know that we've covered a couple of comedy clubs in the past who have crowdfunded their venue and you can scroll back and have a look through them if you want we talk about why ben and john and the entire team decided not to go that route and so much more i think you're gonna get loads out of it whether you're a comedian who's interested in doing the edinburgh festival potentially at their venue or if you're just interested in gigging more up in scotland or if you're an audience member who is just interested in what's going on behind the scenes and where this comedy club sprung up from seemingly out of nowhere before i forget our first ever day of panels is coming up on the 17th of february it's from midday till 5 p.m and it's at the bill murray in angel it's specifically for people who are doing their first hour at the edinburgh festival or who are looking at going up and doing their first show at the edinburgh festival Personally, I think a lot of people are going to get a lot out of this and it's going to provide a lot of answers and debunk a lot of myths. Come down with your questions. There'll be three panels. There'll be one that includes a bunch of venue owners where you can ask them stuff about how they run, how they operate, how to know what room to pick with them, how to avoid pitfalls that they've seen people make time and time and time again. I'm also going to have one with a bunch of PRs which allow you to ask them exactly what they do for you, exactly what they won't do for you, exactly when to approach them, how to approach them, what not to do, all the, the stuff that you're used to with this podcast but you can ask your own questions directly and in between every panel there'll be time to mingle and chat it's in the bill murray in angel in london i'm sorry if you're abroad i, I can't help the, the location of where i live but um as i said it will be recorded if you buy a ticket you'll get a free copy of that recording if you're a patron you'll also get a free copy of that recording if you want to buy a copy of that recording it'll be on sale a few months after the day itself so please do keep an eye out for that tickets are 20 pound there's a link in the show notes and i'm doing it as a profit share for me and all the guests which means that they can have a bit of money to cover their 
expenses like travel and food and all that stuff. They're basically doing it because they believe in this podcast, they believe in the event, and they believe that this is a good thing to have a dialogue with people. The Bill Murray and the Angel team are really supportive as well, and I actually have plans, assuming this one goes well, to do the same thing again, but for the TV industry, where I'll have a panel of TV commissioners, a panel of independent producers, and a panel of people who freelance in the industry who have worked in it for more than, say, 20 years to come down and talk about their job and talk about how you as a writer or a producer or a comedian can break into whatever area you want to. So if you want to support me, you want this to go well, please spread the word. Please tell a friend. If you can't make it, please tell someone who can. That would be really helpful. That would be really appreciated. The event is taking up a lot of my time and it's a lot of effort, but I think it's worth doing because long term, this is going to be something that I'd like to carry on doing more of where we all get a chance to network and talk in a safe and comfortable and lovely environment where it's not really as pressured as normal networking. I hate networking. I want to say that up front. For me, networking is really stressful. So I like being able to just talk to people in an environment where we know why we're there, but we're not like pressured into feeling like we have to talk or that I have this, uh, you know, it, it's just a nicer environment I'm trying to cultivate for people who want to quote unquote network. So if you want to come, it's the 17th of February. It's from midday to 5pm. If you have a look on the Facebook event, it'll tell you when the panels are. So if you only want to come to one or two of them, you can. And in between them, there'll be a gap of half an hour, 40 minutes, whatever, where you can talk to people individually, learn about them a bit more and talk to the people that you'll be working with hopefully for all of August say next year but also going forward I I personally work with the same people over and over and over again because I know they're decent people I know they're amazing to work with and I know they're not going to screw me over so look at this as not a short-term thing if you want that's all I'm going to say on that event but do check out the link in the in the description it's uh, got a Facebook event and a ticket link if you're new here please do hit the subscribe button if you're old here please do give us an honest review in iTunes and either way please do join the Facebook group it's called Ask the Industry Podcast and it is on Facebook obviously but now without any more delays this is ben verth and john miller what i was going to start so what i normally do is i will give uh, i'll ask the first question and ask you to incorporate that question in your answer sure but i reckon what would be the best way is if i keep this bit in that i'm saying now and say we've got both john and ben in the room but there's four of you so do you want to explain who the other two people who aren't here are and what their role is in monkey barrel and then we can go from there so sure. then they get a say in it as well yeah yeah. Rather they, yeah yeah okay, okay. Um, so yeah, so there are four. There are four people who are monkey barrel comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, John. Millenia. Hello. Uh, it's me, Ben Verth. Hopefully, listening is uh, our kind of uh, finance guy who is David Bleese, and our operations manager who is Chris Griffin, and we are all the idiots who have decided <laughs> to run a comedy bloody club. <laughs> Is what is that answer? You want to say anything on that? Uh, no, finance guy. I think finance director is what he likes to be called. You know. Okay. Finance guy, guy who counts the coppers. Okay. Yeah. All right. He's easy. He's the guy that holds the sock that we um, <laughs> that we put the money that we find down the side of couches that we regularly raid in each other's homes in order to try and make this shit fly. I, I mean, I knew it was through fringe, but. <laughs> 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 okay. Well, let's let's start with how did you get to regretting owning a comedy club well very easily <laughs> um okay so 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 what is the so i guess i have a history of gig promotion in edinburgh 
and you're the, you're the most underrated person in the Scottish scene, according to Vladimir. According McTavish. to Vladimir McTavish. That's absolute bullshit. That's me. <laughs> John Miller is, in fact, well, I th- okay, fine. I mean, if, if I didn't even give David his correct terminology, then, then David is the most underrated person in Scottish comedy, I think. Um, yeah, okay. I mean, that was very, that was, that was very kind of Vlad to say that. Um, uh, I mean, I've always felt perfectly, uh, perfectly valued for the level of craps I give. <laughs> so, that's, so I started as a promoter. Um, uh, I didn't ever want that to be the thing, but... I st- basically I went into I went I love comedy yeah. uh, and I went to university more because uh, I wanted to take part in that kind of review type of thing that you get if you're fans of Monty Python and the goodies and all that kind of like 60s 70s 80s kind of university comedy uh, and when I got to Edinburgh I found that there was there was, there was an improv group called the Improverts but that's not really what I wanted to do sketch and stand up so me and some other like-minded people got together we physically created that thing and I think that when I left university, left the, the Edinburgh Review, it was all about, well, if I want to get a gig, you've got to create your own opportunities. And my friends owned a pub, the Illicit Still, uh, which was on Broughton Street, Broham Street, I can't remember which one it is. Uh, and from there, I just got associated with people who worked at another gig at the Beehive Inn. Uh, and then we took that over. <laughs> and, it's, and then loads of people, we all started getting together. So John is closing the window because there's uh, an inordinate amount of street that, bullshit happening. Okay. So I guess... That be- says a lot about our relationship right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ben does the talking and you yeah. do all the actual yeah. work. <laughs> I do the talking and having a glass of wine and uh, John goes, well, this needs to burn down. <laughs> or we just close the window. So I started, I started running the Beehive uh, Comedy Club, as it was called. And one by one, everyone who is monkey barrel starts showing up and it becomes very much by the time we moved from it to the club, it, be, it very much was like a kind of four or five person thing. Because I, so I, I mean, I guess one of the people who is not necessarily an owner, but is something who's very important to it is the person who was the regular host basically from the start at the Beehive and is now our Friday, Saturday, Sunday host is Rick Molland, who's a compere. And there's a lot of his character that shapes what a Friday, Saturday night looks like, which I guess is our... Don't, not guess it is our flagship our flagship stuff you know and you and you started the scottish comedy festival off the back of that night is that right yeah so we did fridays and saturdays and there came that first year of doing it where myself and uh, jed who was the manager at the beehive i think we were like why do we stop what we do and move aside and like kind of i don't, I don't want to be metropolitan or you know anti-metropolitan about it but like london promoters come in and put their crap on when we could do something and what seemed like the obvious way of doing stuff was that we get gather up Scottish acts and make a thing of that but I never really wanted it to be along particularly nationalist lines so it wasn't just Scottish people it was people who operate in Scotland so there was a lot of English some Americans that kind of stuff so it was basically a a reflection of the scene in Scotland yeah because I heard that it was you trying to reclaim part of the fringe for the local acts and the acts that operate in that area well I think that's the party line but I mean I honestly didn't care I just wanted a lot of pals in a place so that was not it wasn't it wasn't majorly about making a stand or anything it was just going this is the easiest thing these people i like why don't we all get together and do that but that is not necessarily what you should put in any pr <laughs> really is it it's uh, it's got to be about taking a moral stance as opposed to going do you know what it was the fucking easiest thing to do just mm. saying hey john gavin go and do an hour here <laughs> like it was hey bruce for me that kind of thing 
Yeah, we, yeah. we quickly abandoned that idea when we opened the club. <laughs> when I don't want to run a Scottish comedy festival anymore over to someone else. Yeah, so it still runs. It's still a thing, but it's Rick Molland and Sully O'Sullivan. So it's an Englishman and a New Zealander who now run the <laughs> Scottish comedy festival. <laughs> I wonder why they were outside. Because I was at Suites, which was opposite in the in the Apex Hotel, and they were always there. And I was like, why are you always out here flying? <laughs> well, I mean, they're also monsters about doing shows. I mean, they must do like 90 shows a day, the two of them. Uh, but that also means that each hour that they do, there's also the hour beforehand that they've got to fly her so you know frankly I do not understand how Rick Molland is still alive I, I, I think if we were to like take a blood sample it would be Red Bull uh, <laughs> that is keeping him upright uh, what's the I was going to say before you can say Iron Brew is Iron Brew an energy drink no it's just uh, a fizzy thing just a fizzy thing good that's what we're here for racism <laughs> <laughs> Iron Brew, the energy drink of Scotland. Okay. I could have sworn it was an energy drink. No, it's just a fizzy pop. All right. It is, uh, okay, is, talk about this, how I was going to call it fizzy juice. And that and that's because that, like, carbonated sugary drinks are what we consider juice in Scotland. That's Well, I'll edit all this out. So my More ra- racism, bloody yeah. hell. I'll edit out all the racism. <laughs> But I will, but I will snip it. So in the year, sort of, I do like a yearly roundup pod, and it will just have this bit of race, and then people will go download it and be like, "Where was the racism? I was expecting lots of racism." Just talking about sugary drinks. Yeah. I don't even know what I don't know what Monkey Parallel is except for a sugary drink retailer. Good, because that is basically how we perceive it as awesome. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, back on message. Come right. On. Okay. 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 So let's stay with the Scottish Comedy Festival for sure. a second, because this was start. This is 2012. Yes, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Was it? Yes, it was. Uh, yeah, can't remember. Uh, so I met Ben by looking for stage time when he was running the Beehive, and I got on board with the Scottish Comedy Festival to do all the web and all mm. that sort of nonsense. And then, yes, that's how the Scottish Comedy sort of came about. Really, is I got involved because somebody needed to do tappy tappy work, and Ben can do. Hey, everybody, come to be. I can do the old uh, admin. That's that's my role, and he's never bitter about it. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a synchronicity and harmony and working relationships. It's, you know, it's tolerable. <laughs> I, I, I want to take this opportunity to just say that John Miller is a fucking saint. He, he puts up with the most messy, ridiculous dick squeezer that is me. Uh, because I'm a fucking, yeah, I mean, okay, so yeah. Okay, okay. this isn't counselling. Roll it back. No, okay. I, this no, is, I mean, this so, is, so, this is yeah. advertising the club. It's obviously, it's obviously. So, so yeah. So there is. A, so there's a lot. There's a lot more. There's a. I mean, there's a lot more to it. There's a lot less to it. Yeah. Like, I mean, uh, I, I, at the very first Scottish Comedy Awards, I was given like an outstanding contribution to Scottish it's comedy. A lifetime achievement. Get it? But like, it just amused me because it's not just me, and it's also not the major thing, or I don't consider it the major thing that a lot of people. Think. Now, it works for a lot of people and it's great, but that it has moved on to, to other people and is running just as well. You know, it's, it's more about the people who take part in it and the strength of those acts than any one organising force. Which I admit also diminishes John's role, which is... No, no, the like Scottish Comedy Festival is just a banner organisation for a local base rather than local comics to stake a claim to the fringe. Yeah. And it doesn't really... All you need is someone to do the admin, make sure it's sort of ticks along it doesn't need it's not people don't you don't promote on the back of that you promote on the back of your efforts your audience uh you know you fly out for your show and that's why there are acts at the scottish comedy festival that probably will always be there people like 
Roman Reigns appreciates the fact that his audience know where to go and they know you know he's always going to be there unless I don't know maybe something will change but you know hopefully it'll grow as well I think Rick uh, and Sully are trying to trying to increase its 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 footprint during the next fringe I hope it happens I hope it gets I hope it gets bigger and I hope it becomes uh, a staple of smaller independently run let's call them festivals or free fringes whatever you want to call them where maybe four or five venues run by one venue uh, one sort of operation and they could claim the grass market and be the grass market festival and somebody could move in rather than uh, and do the cow gay or or, or wherever rather than who, having two just enormous free festivals that somehow dominate the landscape and i'm not sure uh, it's the healthiest thing for comedy yeah. um it's easy for the breweries and g1 and all these mega companies to sign up to one person helps them uh, run their you know make money out of people but it's it's not the best for comedy and i hope that scottish comedy festival what we're going to do in the festival what bob slayer is doing in the festival helps fragment these two goliaths uh you know have nothing personally against them i just think they are too big to be good it doesn't mean the power is evenly distributed. I mean, it never is going to be evenly distributed. Mm-hmm. But it but it sort of means that if you had a falling out with one of them, for example, it, with PBH or something like that, which is, you know, there's all of those rumours about how fickle he can be to certain acts and things like that, that, that you've basically knocked off half the venues that you could potentially be in, in one fell swoop. So I agree with you on that. Yeah, it's and and what it enables people to do, if you if you have a locale, if you, let's say, Scottish Comedy Festival does take over the grass market, you... Uh, you know you're not spread thin you based on how you operate maybe if you go to a pay what you want as opposed to just free you have a tech that can tech all this you know any anything that uh, falls over or breaks down there's somebody on hand to deal with it if you wish your little festival to have a flowering team they're not all over the place they're in one place if a show's full you just go point across the road and go across there you know you concentrate your effort be it sales and sales and marketing um, uh, operational management whatever but you can you can claim a little area and run that very very well um and it's just that is that's not the model that free is it's not the model laughing horse it, it, you know that isn't their model there as far as i can see as a takeover venue put in this stuff you're on your own um, i'm sure they would disagree i'm sure they they believe that uh, they they perhaps do more and, and maybe they do maybe they do but for what i, I just don't believe our fringe experience recently what we did in our venue there's no way you could do that for 50 venues it's just not possible you either you got to go two ways you either got to get a bit more lax about your the let's call it the professionalism that you execute over the fringe to grow or you've got to limit your growth so that you can you can keep the same standards across all, all your venues i go for the second i go for the latter because acts like it a lot better the audience i think appreciate it i don't think the venues give a shit like all they see is every, all, particularly all the pub venues, all they see is their money going up, every month, like, you know, year on year. And they go, hey, it's great. You know, Not really, mate. But um, they don't really care about comedy. They care about money. And so they're quite happy to have somebody who, you know, in a, a bad tech in a bad room uh, doing a bad show. Uh, and then customers walk in or people who who come in and go, oh, this is what free fringe is. And you go, yep, mate, that is what it is. Again. Because of the way Edinburgh is, millions of people every year. It's fresh intake. You know, it's a fresh. I, I couldn't tell you, the, and I'm sure Ed Fringe might be able to tell you the repeat business they get. But it ain't going to be massive. You know, if, if it was 100% repeat business every year, things like uh, the Free Fringe would do not, would would have to up their game because customers have just got. Ah, I went down there. I went in that venue last year. That was rubbish. 
I'm not going to go back. Uh, whereas I think you just because you're fresh meat every year, the, the you can get away with you know get away with a bit strong. I don't have it. Like, you know, there, there is a I believe a, a significant issue in operating massive venues for no money because um, I I don't believe it's a great experience for essentially anybody and therefore back to the what scottish comedy festival and all these i think a, a degree of smaller independent but what crucially working together helping each other out uh, sort of independent festivals is the way forward and we will be part of that and uh, and um, what do i bring to this great hair <laughs> i can see your chest oh, yeah, from so here. Yeah. okay <laughs> Sorry, got a bit serious, yeah. Benjamin. It's all right, but that is John's strength, uh, is that... Uh, yeah. uh, no, 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 he, uh, he only had five minutes to think of that, and then... <laughs> he doesn't care about this thing at all. Yeah, he does, he's fucking, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think uh, what you made was a very interesting point in that when comedians bitch about selling out and, and the festival only being inter- interested in money, I think people mistake that and go, oh, that comedian's not interested in selling out their show or making money. When what we're actually saying is, no, 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 the venue is only interested in money. We're both in- interested in making a profit, clearly, but we need it to work together between the performer and the venue rather than it just being that the performer gets paid last which is all too often I think at the fringe well yeah so there's a difference between uh, venues that are making money out of comedy as you know people who their livelihood their reputation is based on comedy what you what you might whatever your opinion is of the big four um, that's their they're there to make money on comedy they've got other ventures I guess circus uh, God knows what with assembly everything by the sound of it um, but the free they, they you operate in the free festival in a business that isn't making money in comedy they spend the rest of the year thinking about how to get people drunk how to make money on drink how to uh, get people that is what they care about so when you meet them and you talk about comedy the quality of comedy they're not bothered. What they're interested in is that there's enough people turning up for the 15 minutes before the comedy starts to all buy a drink. And if the comedy is shit, it doesn't matter. They'll finish their drink and they'll leave. Comedy's good, they'll finish their drink and they'll leave. It's the same scenario. All the, the only thing that would stop them operating like that is if the numbers start to tail, which we're back into every year fresh meat. Every year it's about people experiencing it for the first time. Now, I'm sure I'm not saying that the quality is atrocious, but you know, it's potluck at the minute. It's absolutely potluck, and there's lots of great people on the PBH and on Laughing Horse, course there is, but it, it's got a degree of potluck about it, uh, or not. I don't know how what the curation is like. Clearly, there is some because you know, Liquid Room Annex, not anybody gets in there. People have got dibs on that. People, there is a, I guess, a, a, a roster of acts that have been with a certain promoter and will probably be with them forever unless that venue gets taken off them. And and obviously, very few other acts will have a chance of getting in that venue. So there's a this this um, what do you call it? Equality, egalitarian view that I guess people might expect from the free fringe doesn't exist because not everyone has the same chances of getting the same rooms. It's people who you know have had the room before, fair enough, but it's also people who will step into that and go right eye on top of the rung. Thank you very much, and that's 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 not different. I'm not saying we're particularly different in that regard, but you know we don't we don't pretend that we are here for everybody what we are here for is people we like simon simon baby as a, as a fan of this podcast <laughs> this is fucking gold this is welcome to everybody's favorite episode as voted for by you the public this is 
what? I what am I doing wrong? You're, you're doing nothing wrong, man. I knew this was like so. Originally, it was just going to be me. I was like, no, no, no. John's got to be here as well because did, yeah, this, is, this is this is that's the industry. You're far more industry than I am, man. This is well, we're not that. Ind- let's be honest. We're not industry. Can, we're we're sort of on the side of industry. Can I say? Can I say an interesting thing that's happened from my end with this podcast is the original purpose of it. Genuinely, the original reason I started this was I wanted to get an agent in a room to ask them some questions, and they wouldn't meet me for a coffee. So I emailed them and said, well, I bought some mics now. Would you like to have a chat? And I'll put it online. Okay, right. is, it, is this a stalker story that, no, you, no, no, no. that no, you've no, tried to build some scaffolding literally, around? Is, literally, there, is this what it sounds here? Literally, and, and the reason it was called Ask the Industry is because I wanted to ask what I perceived to be the industry some questions. Yeah. And the reason the, co- the word comedy isn't in it is because I didn't want it to go up against actual comedy podcasts sure. because it would get drowned. Say no laugh. <laughs> oh yeah, don't be funny. Don't, no, I mean, Ben, I don't need to tell you that. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm aware of what's happening here. You're getting ganged up. <laughs> Cheeky cunt. I also don't know how far I can go with swearing on this thing. You can swear all you want. Fucking brilliant. <laughs> you cunt. But my, my, my point is... My point is, the, the vibe of the podcast has now become more of an information source that each episode sure. kind of answers a question. I think one of the, the original... I, I, ours is very much, so who are you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I said it by two guys I've never heard of. Well, that, again, that's an interesting thing is most of my core listeners email me quite regularly saying, I love that episode. I didn't know them beforehand. So don't feel too bad that you're <laughs> pretty much on the, on the outskirts of society in Scotland going, oh, no one's heard of us. <laughs> yeah. You did it for that's the fame, it. though, John. That's, what that's exactly why I did this. That's, oh, to see my face like trampled upon by people as I walk down the street on the flyers. That's why I did it. I'm all about that. My, my, my purpose... <laughs> and I have great hair. <laughs> but it's not on a flyer on the floor, though, is it? Uh, no. <laughs> my, my because my hair is so great, nobody would dare. You got that flyer. <laughs> nobody would dare. My um, my original reason for getting you on was to talk about the Scottish Comedy Festival and, and yeah. your and your. We kind uh, of trampled on that. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry about that. No, I, no, but, but it's evolved now because literally in the last year, it's evolved now. And I think I, I think I, I can't speak for John, but I certainly think I sometimes okay. have a lot of trouble. <laughs> sometimes I think like you know. So I, I guess I experienced this over the festival. I don't know about you. I don't know about the other guys. Constantly being told that what you you do is great and amazing and people being appreciative. And you just feeling a massive disconnect with what you do and what people are saying. So, I mean, blowing our own trumpet, I guess, we have, like, a, a brilliant TripAdvisor rating. I mean, like, the stuff that goes up there is effusive. It's, it's, it's all five and four stars, that kind of stuff. And I kind of look at it and go, there's a lot of kind of disconnect. So when people are, like, when Vlad's saying that I'm underrated, when they're given awards for the Scottish Comedy Festival, you just go, yeah, thanks, I guess. Uh, sure. <laughs> Um, yeah, so what do I think about, because we are in the eye of the storm, we're working 18-hour days, we're obviously not going to like it. One day we'll have money, and someone will pay somebody to do the jobs that we do now, and then we'll fucking love running a comedy club, mate. Oh, imagine the drugs we will never take. Um, I'm going to go shit-faced on Benelin. <laughs> Uh, and when when that happens, we I guess we'll have a better idea of our place, and we'll get to do more fun things. We'll get to go see much more acts. We'll get to uh, enjoy the festival. Whereas this year, I think I got to see two, three shows that were outside of our building. I can barely even. I can obviously. I, I remember delightful sausage because it was great, and I look forward to them being great for years to come. But other than that, seen some 
shite in the Gilded Bloom, can't remember what it was. And then yeah, I saw a couple of things, and uh, one of them wasn't comedy. It was uh, I went to see <laughs> went to see one of the lawyers from Making a Murderer. <laughs> And I don't know what I fucking expected. But like I was like, we had drinks beforehand. It was a Friday night. I thought, should I bring a foam hand saying Stephen Avery number one? That kind of thing. Is it going to be a laugh? Is he going to come out and do five minutes? I'm going, hey, where are you guys from? Bathgate? That's bullshit. Um, But it wasn't. It was a sedate talk about the legal systems of the United States and the United (laughs) Kingdom. Uh, So so not too dissimilar to this podcast. (laughs) Well... (laughs) All about the system, none, none of the creativity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Although, although, why did I think it was going to be funny? Because my friend Gemma, who is a comic, is also a, a doctor of criminology at the University of Edinburgh, and she was the interviewer. So I was like, sliding some funnies, and she did it. It was good. It was funny. It was good. Oh, cool. But, uh, but yeah, so I uh, can't remember what the question was. What's the what? disconnect between people thinking we're good and us going, fucking hell, what's happening? Well, I don't know if it was a disconnect. I think I just went, I don't understand. Well, I, well, I was going to ask, because you clamped one an award now, hasn't it? It won, it won the... So we won... So the, the Beehive, when we were at the Beehive, mm-hmm. it won Best Small Comedy Club at the mm-hmm. Scottish Comedy Awards in 2016. Uh, and then, genuinely surprisingly, we won Best Large Comedy Club. So that meant more, I think, because we were up against the stand in Glasgow. We were up against the was it the Lemon Tree in Aberdeen. Uh, the, was it Eden Court in Venice? So I guess all these big, big places. And then at the end of the festival, we 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 had three Edinburgh Comedy Award winners in the building, which was I think so. The Pleasance definitely had the most, but because that's loads of different buildings across the city. Nominees, mate. Nominees. What did I say? Winners. winners. Um, fucking living, <laughs> only in one a, winner. living in a fantasy. <laughs> Twenty seventeen. There's two winners. There's three three, three winners. winners. A newcomer. Uh, I stopped paying attention when the nominations came out. Oh, if I'm honest. Yeah, well, we, that we fucking went into overdrive that day, mate. That's. Uh, oh no, no, but like, I remember coming past your club and you'd like put stickers up on the thing, and I was like, oh, I'll go and see those because I'd yeah, seen yeah, yeah. like some of the nominations come up, yeah. and I was gonna go and see, I was gonna go and see Rob's show anyway. Yes, yeah. But uh, other than that, I mean, I was going I mean, does it make a difference, like realistically, from your perspective, having like either an award for the club, yeah. or an award for a show? So I think I certainly, and we certainly, I would hope, take pride in it, um, because I think for our very first. Free proper we got three nominees which as I was saying the Pleasance got the most nominees but we got for this a single building in Edinburgh we got three and being in partnership with Bob Slayer he got four in total and three of those were in our building also I, th- I think to be quite honest that the three people who were nominated nominated were fucking absolutely brilliant people as well I think uh, so who was it, it was Spencer one of the best guys uh, Rob who I think is a friend now uh, Lucy Perman who's just brilliant uh, so I think there was a genuine feeling of being absolutely chuffed and I think for the fact as well is that you you championed particularly Lucy Perman like yours that was a real kind of like eye for talent uh, John yeah. so, so being able to like claim that like that nugget seen her in a show I mean you tell the story well claim it, claiming strong well I've seen um, so a lot of the credit for our successful fringe has to go to Bob Slayer uh, he fundamentally he curated our first proper friends lineup and it was a stonker um, um, and so a lot a lot of that credit is his um, but yeah regards to Lucy I've uh, seen her uh, in Let Loose uh, a couple of years ago in a show called Seaman best thing I've seen at Fringe since well for years and, and I'd, I'd say and then she did a crack of work in progress I went to see that brilliant and so yeah that was the one act that I, I said to Bob can we please get Lucy on board and Bob said yeah <laughs> that was it, uh, but yeah, you know, we we take a 
I'd say a small degree of pride. We try and lift the burden from the act. I think that's that's our job in the fringe is is not to to claim credit for people's other people's creativity. That's where John and I differ. <laughs> uh, but you know, I you know, ours is to make their life as uh, carefree as possible, so that they enjoy the fringe, so that they don't feel under pressure to do any particular thing. Be that I don't know flyering. You know, whatever. I, you know, I don't know what actual personal pressures people put themselves on under. I think the, you know, us being able to go right. These people seem to fit together. They, they, they have a, you know, a similar outlook on comedy. Uh, you create a place where it makes everything about the fringe more pleasant for them, and then we do small things like so this year I think in 2017 we were asked to by Chortle who do you think is going to do well in 2017 uh, we picked pick Liam Withnail and I guess importantly who is our regular midweek so we've got Rick to do Friday Saturdays but Liam is our midweek or Tuesday Wednesday compare he does every show uh, he's legit he's the coolest fucking guy uh, he's genuinely funny he's really great he was recently an English comedian of the year final back to John yeah, so the re- I was going to mention all that, but the reason <laughs> the reason I, I highlight it is but I did it with amazing hair. <laughs> well, you know, it's ma- humid. It's a humid environment. I don't think it's going to last that long. Yeah, that's, that's what matters in an audio medium. <laughs> um, but I guess then, what, what was it was important about the chortle thing? I think a lot of people nominated somebody just as a throwaway comment. I think they'll be yeah. good. I think they'll be good. So we took a bit of time. We went. We believe you know this person. Uh, and then importantly, we went, okay, we need to give this person opportunities to be good. We can't just go, that guy, he'll be all right. And so, yes, he became our midweek compare. We, uh, he was in the, uh, our room in the fringe. He gets, he's in with these other people. We paid for a little bit of PR, not much, but, you know, we paid for a bit of PR for him. You know, we supported him in the fringe. You know, I'm sure he would get that support anyway if he was at another uh, paid-for venue. But I guess... No, he wouldn't. Liam, <laughs> if you're listening, you're fucking lucky. <laughs> But um, so, and this year we'll do the same. So if we get asked for a, uh, you know, Liam will will be, will be with us. Hopefully, this friend's coming up if he wants to be. Um, but this year we'll do exactly the same. We will get presumably asked by by Chortle. Even if we don't, we'll pick somebody we think can and will do, uh, you know, good things. They don't need to smash it. They don't need to become like a house hunter. They just need to be progressing well in in the scene that is Scotland. And then we'll say, right, do you want to come? Do you want to do your show here? pay for the PR again, you know, we'll support you um, and see about getting them moving at a speed because, again, you might talk about Scottish comedy later, probably the biggest frustration is the pace of people developing. Uh, for me, that's my, like, other people have other frustrations, but there's a, there's a pace problem in Scotland if you're not willing to travel and, uh, you know, there's a certain scene in Scotland that promotes one type of comedy uh, over others. Um, and if we can pick somebody and then go right, let's do that. Let's again lift the burden of for, for them, give them a help in hand. We'll do that, and I think that is that is our role in the fringe. That is our role out with the fringe. Uh, and you know, one day it'll be Benny Boy will be helping when he gets back on the wagon that is comedy. Yeah. <laughs> Can I, can I just say because at the moment this interview is very much kind of and now over to the sane man and now interjections from the lunatic hey so uh, hey as a carer it's nice that you brought your weird guy with you that you've 
<laughs> that is how that is the working relationship. Yeah. I've got I've got three other three people who genuinely know how to run a business, and then a fucking maniac who kind of orbits shows up in the yeah. office and goes, rawr, rawr, rawr. "Do you want an imminent amount of tea?" But dude, he's right there. Like seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God, let's start talking about this. But you know, somebody somebody has to start something, and that's the important yeah. thing. It's, it's, if you hadn't started to uh, turn the beehive into a genuine gig, there's a good chance this none of it would have happened. Obviously, it takes people better than you, me, to step in. <laughs> and more modest as well. The modesty is the thing that makes it work. I, f- I feel like one of, one of you's got to be modest. So. Uh, and then, you know, and then you gather people around who've got different skills who then can move it forward. But somebody always has to start it. Um, and, you know, you were that guy, mate. What I was going to talk to you about was, was how secretive you were with the venue in terms of uh, keeping it under wraps while you were sort of developing it and, and getting all the the city on side and, and yeah. building the venue and stuff. But before we get into that then, I thought what would be interesting is if we carry on with what you were just saying, because Ben and I have spoken about the, the Scottish circuit and how it is um, slower development, be- partly because of less stage time, because there's a lot more, com- like pr- pr- to ratio of clubs to comedians, it's a lot lower than in London, for example. Sure. But then good clubs to comedians, it's a lot higher because there's a shit ton of rubbish gigs in London mm-hmm. that sort of balance out that stage time potential. So maybe for people who haven't been to Edinburgh or haven't been to the festival or haven't been to Scotland at all, do you want to maybe explain how you see the circuit and how you see development for performers on the circuit? So the circuit, I think, is entirely geared towards Friday, Saturday night gigs. I think we're in a are we talking the business end of it are we talking about like the style of comedy uh the style and the business there are very few places outside of what we do or the stand does or university organizations that cater for anything a bit more esoteric a bit more adventurous uh, or, or, or literally even anything that is out with a Friday or a Saturday night uh I think the house style in Scotland is quite um combative it's quite uh, I don't want to say drunken but it's about rewarding people at the end of a, a a week of work who just want to unwind and they don't want anything experimental they just want no I mean this I'm, I seem like I'm phrasing this like it's a complaint it is, it's seriously not I perfectly appreciate those that that type of sensibility and that that want but what it means is that if you want to get on that is a sort of comedy you've got to cultivate uh, and uh, if you do if you do want to get on then you have to be good almost immediately so you can have access to the more professional stages because that's where you're going to be getting any kind of uh, time to develop. There is a lot of stalling. There's a lot of, of, of people who've remained basically on the same area in terms of industry structure uh, for years and years and years because because the guys at the top have not <laughs> died or left or retired or whatever. I guess also as well there's a bit of stalling because big places like Jonglers uh, have closed uh, or Highlight. Uh, there's never been a Glee club that's come near. Uh, not to say that that's kind of similar to what that is, but you know, those kind of like big Friday, Saturday night organisations. So what you're left with is more kind of uh, rough and ready pub gigs. Uh, in various cities and also local promoters doing stuff in small towns around Scotland which is very much about you know it's like it's like town hall meetings in the Simpsons episodes it's like you know at the drop of a hat Mo the bartender can incite a riot if he doesn't like what you're saying that kind of thing so that I think is what Scotland looks like at the moment um, 
um, I'm sure John will have something more eloquent to say. Well, you've said it. Um, to get on in Scotland, the best thing to be is a solid act. Hitting your six jokes a minute, understanding how to deal with you know crowd interaction, and these are all great skills, amazing skills. These are the basics of being. It doesn't matter what kind of comic you want to be, but if you can master these skills, you can then become whatever comic you want to be. The problem with that is there aren't the gigs for you to do that. There, there aren't the venues for that. You look at Soho Theatre. Look at you know, look at what they're doing. They're giving the our shows that people have done in the Fringe uh, a go in London, and people, are, you know, it's very successful. That is a, a core to its business model. You couldn't do that in Scotland. You could not go. Here is, or you could, but it'd be a huge risk. Uh, you'd go, okay, we are doing uh, an hour for a week of this person, an hour. You couldn't do it in Edinburgh at the minute. It's just not possible. Don't I don't know Glasgow particularly well as a scene. And again, this is a thing. I don't think there is a scene in Scotland. I don't think it. I think people in their areas are doing what punters in their area want. That is different in in Edinburgh, and it is in Glasgow. As you know, Aberdeen is different again. So it's not a scene. You can be a lot harsher in Glasgow, I think. I think because it's a it's a, a lot more locals. You've got to be a lot uh, sort of more broader themes in Edinburgh because uh, you will get. You know, Saturday night, how many Scots in the room? Ten. How many English? You know, fifty. Uh, you know, eight, and a lot of international. So the comedy is different. So every every scene is quite distinct. But you know, the the core of being solid can handle a, a room, a rambunctious room, are key. And if you want to do anything more experimental, or if you want to do tour, like you know, this one hour thing, it's a difficult business. Why? I don't know. Because if I knew the if I knew the answer to that, I'd make money by working out how to overcome it. One day I'm hoping we will will work that one out. Um, so I so I I suspect, and I hope this doesn't come across as an insult. It's not meant as an insult, but I suspect it's because the maker Scotland is obviously less populous, uh, and it is also I think more working class than a lot of southern England, which means that the sort of want for comedy is the sort which is just more, again, don't want to phrase it as an insult, but uncomplicated. They just want to be rewarded with a decent laugh, a recognisable and appreciative, appreciable laugh at the end of a working week. I think that's what it is. I don't. I think maybe we, we look jealously at things like Soho, but Soho's probably the exception. I've got, I, I can't think of anywhere in the north of England or Wales or that are doing uh, doing a something like that. I think uh, the, the core is weekend comedy, compare three, four acts, uh, you know, uh, and giving people comedy that they can immediately enjoy without decoding it mm-hmm. um, and without... Uh, and so, so you got to build scenes, and so that's that's our probably our biggest problem at the minute is trying to build a scene that isn't weekend comedy. Trying to build up uh, experimental uh, week com- uh, weekday comedy. Trying to understand where the audience is for that because it ain't tourists. It is not just randoms happening across your comedy club. Mm-hmm. It, it, and it's not people who are just going, well, I'm going to have a quick drink after work on a Wednesday. It's it's, it's very much a student audience mm-hmm. is what we're looking at. Yeah, and you just got to find that. And I guess in London, it's just easier. There's more people to draw from. And people are more willing to travel. <laughs> like from, you know, it's a big city. People are quite happy to travel 40 minutes to see something. If we try and get people 40 minutes outside of Edinburgh to come in, I'm not sure we'd be successful in that um, and so your you, you know your potential audience goes down however this doesn't mean you don't do it 
you just got to do it and know that it's not a money making opportunity. It's it's you you pay your bills at the weekend and you then you set up something that you enjoy, uh, that you want to be a part of uh, during the week, uh, and that's what we're doing. And that's why I guess we are getting back into doing actual comedy ourselves because probably for two three years we haven't. We've just been trying to get this thing going. You know, I'm sure some I'm sure people in Glasgow. Well, I know the guys who do chunks in Glasgow are, are definitely trying to do something different. And I think uh, I don't know if the Yes Bar is also sort of uh, trying to trying to trying to do that, which is great, but it ain't going to be money making, not in the short no, term. Sure. And so and fundamentally, you need to be able to get to five years time when your comedy club is known for what you want it to be known for uh, at the minute the comedy club is known for what we want it to be known for during the fringe outside the fringe i think we'd like to be doing more of fringe type comedy the big worry is you put it on nobody comes six months later you're out of business we're you know we're gonna go to angel they have a tremendous op- model they have a, a everything about it is great I think if you opened that in Scotland, it would be shut in six months, and uh, that's that's the difference. That's just the the you know the the tipping point of people that you can get in London versus probably anywhere else. So I think we're in danger of going. Hey, we'd love to be do London comedy in Edinburgh. Well, it's called London comedy for a reason because it's probably the only person place in Britain you can get away with. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There. Next, the next part of that was going to be what have you or haven't you learnt from Scottish clubs then or, or particularly Edinburgh clubs that you're now implementing in your club because if you're going for something or hopefully long term something different to the other clubs mm-hmm. can you learn from them or from um, what they do? Yeah so first thing is there's a lot we have learned from the stand. They are the absolute model of how you should run a club. Uh, they've got minor things that we, we might think we wouldn't want to do the core is they love comedy they treat comedians very well they uh, they don't veer over the place looking for you know the money the quick buck and stuff they are and and a lot of them have hair as good as mine (laughs) has Kenny got lovely hair has he 
Jan, Jan's got good hair. Okay, okay, good. So you know, hair aside, hair aside, there's a there's well, a well, template well, in well, Scotland. Well, can we not brush over the hair? Too? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a Samsung situation. The longer the hair, the better the club. That's that's yeah. what I'm getting from this interview. All right, okay, I better start growing my hair. I'll Your hair looks. That include, that will <laughs> that will help next quarter's uh, income no end by me not getting a haircut. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> how, how often yes, did you get so that cut? Every two days, yeah. So, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So in Scotland, we are quite lucky in that, uh, despite there not being a lot of clubs, there is the template of how to run a comedy club for for everybody, for acts, for audience, uh, for uh, uh, running a good business, and it is the stand. So yeah, I, I'd say we've learned a lot there. We ha- we've got different things. We, you know, we we don't mind groups as much as they perhaps do. Part of that's about them being established, and so they they they, they can, if they want, uh, decide not to take groups. Yeah, so, they, uh, so they are they are twenty years over us. Who uh, I, I don't know when this will go out, but <laughs> are still a couple of months Four away from. <laughs> we're still we're still like a couple of months away from our very first birthday. So I mean, we've uh, you know they've got they've got it ahead of us. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so so yeah, so stand. We've learned a lot of what we should do. Learning about what we shouldn't do. I'll be honest, we learn more from the stuff that we do goes wrong and you go, okay, let's not do that again. And that's what a lot of our first year has been about. And I'm sure that's a lot of what our second year will be about. And then one day, you know, there'll be less mistakes. But the only thing we, we've learned is when you, have a, when you make a mistake, get over it quickly. Whereas I think in the past we were guilty of just holding our ground, going, this is, this is definitely going to work. And then six months later you go, oh, geez, right, okay, it didn't work. And so I think we're better at that, at going, okay, it didn't work. If we don't understand why it didn't work, so let's leave it and move on to something else. And, and that's probably where most of the evolution of our business is coming, is us making mistakes. You know? Of which I am very good at that. <laughs> Like I am, I am properly decent at uh, the old mistakes. I don't want to say anything because you're looking at me as if to say, "Go on, bring it." <laughs> okay. No. Okay. Okay. Is this podcast one of those? <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. Maybe. Are we, I don't. Are we, uh, uh, what, what are we coming across as? Dicks. Good. But like that's how we show up at the office at nine a.m. <laughs> Sorry, you at 9 a.m. You, you, you at 9 a.m. and me kind of after one in the afternoon. <laughs> I love it. He turns up and just goes, oh, sweaty. <laughs> yes, I have nothing more to add. That is how we run a club, by trial and error. Do you have anything to add, Ben? No. Okay. Let's, uh, let's talk about how you kept making a club in the city centre a secret or, or at least oh, yes. not publicised. Uh, okay, so I guess this treads in the territory where I was kind of uncomfortable uh, is because can, we... Can I, yeah. so can I chuck in one more question to yeah. that? Because uh, we talked about Angel and we talked about how they did it yeah. and, and they went the opposite route to you, which was they kept it quiet for a while, but then crowdfunded. Yes. And I wondered why you didn't do that or you didn't crowdfund and if, if that was ever an option for you. So, so, so we... So we always knew that if we moved, we were not going to keep the original gig going. So at the Beehive. But the gestation period of us, because it wasn't just a case of us taking over a licensed premises. It was literally a place just on Blair Street, just off the mile, where we had to spend a lot of time getting money together. Well, you know, 
you know, John and David was the, the, the real kind of financial sources for it, and also the legal brains as well, in order for us to, to get Edinburgh City Council to change licenses and change categories for the building and all that kind of stuff, which took, um, like, took loads of time, like ridiculous amounts of time. And all that while we had to keep it a secret from the venue, telling them that, like, yeah, no, we're going to be here for ages, all that kind of stuff, knowing fine that we were going to pull out, like, it was going to be, a, it was going to be a midnight flit if it was going to be anything. It was also about making sure that the information was managed, because there's been a couple of times where other clubs have tried to materialise in Scotland, and they have. It, it, it's been, I think it's probably fair to say, uh, each time has been greeted with cynicism and a lack of support, and certainly a kind of uppity, uh, uppity from Scotland as if as if the new club has got to somehow pre, you know like present something or, or be a certain way for it to be accepted it's got to you know it's it's you know it's got to be worthy of the comics uh, you know particular codes of valor or honor or something you know uh, and I think also we just wanted to manage all the information and make sure it all got out on our terms which every time we got pissed we just told somebody <laughs> Like, I remember there was a guy called Obi knew about it. It's like, who the fuck did you know about? Oh, John got smashed, right? Okay, that's, that's why, that's why. <laughs> but then, but then, like, people were, like, coming up to John going, how did you know? I was like, oh, fuck Ben. It's like, you know, but, I mean, mine was worse. I was drunk and telling them at 10 a.m. So it's like, you know. Was, <laughs> I was going to say, I thought I was, like, in the inner circle or something. Because you told me quite early on. Yeah, I did, because you were trustworthy yeah. about it. Oh, you know, okay, but, like, yeah, just yeah. telling fucking randoms, you know. Not saying Obi's a random, but, I mean, like, you know, it's like. like so maybe 20 people knew. Look, mm. the reason... 20 what <laughs> it must be around that why did look, i don't i think why did i think we were keeping it quiet it might be different um <laughs> i thought we were keeping it quiet because we were scared it wouldn't happen and if you tell everybody oh it's definitely going to happen and it doesn't you just look a bit like a dick um and secondly you know we still needed the income that was coming from the above a pub gig um and for some reason we got into our heads that they would go oh bloody hell you're not doing that right you're out now now they, in retrospect, they couldn't care less whether we were running comedy above. Not not care less. They were supportive of the Beehive. You know, it wasn't that important to them. They're a chain pub. You know, they've got bigger fish to fry. We are nothing to them in reality. But we got it in our heads that they would go, right, shut this gig down. How dare you look at elsewhere? That's absolutely not been the case. We've left. Uh, Scottish Comedy Festival still there. I think everybody's on good terms. You know, because these people, the people we work with, are employed by some, you know, Taylor Walker, massive pub chain. They uh, couldn't care less about us opening a comedy club, and I think we, we thought they did, and they didn't. I mean, I think that came from me. I think I certainly had a kind of... Because if I can take the opportunity now, over the five years that we did the Beehive Comedy Club and those latter years of Monkey Barrel, the people, the management and the bar staff of the Beehive were ridiculously supportive. Like, just just wonderful, absolutely wonderful. Great human faces of, as John said, a kind of a, a big international company. Uh, and I guess that's why I got it into my head that we we wanted to keep it a secret because we didn't want to feel like there was... Well, okay, I, I mean, I'm saying we. It's like I. I didn't want to feel like there was a betrayal or there was mistruth. So I feel quite bad. I've never been back because I don't want to look them in the eye and go, yeah, sorry for lying to you guys. I don't want to be that guy that's like, business is business, even though <laughs> business is business. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. No, I, I remember. I remember you you put on uh, Buddhism and Cats in that venue. Yes, like, and and I remember you gave me all the you were able to give me all the names for everyone I was going to see there, and everyone there was absolutely lovely. Sure, yeah, and just yeah. amazing, and uh, like they didn't know me, like mm -hmm. as in like I just turned up as a comic yeah. with a show, 
and like that side of fringe time and everything. And so, yeah, from my perspective, it was it was kind of odd because I knew the pub and I knew it was a chain. Mm-hmm. And generally speaking, I have a perception of chains. Yeah. That most people in it are sort of temp working. Yeah. Or they're not, you know, they're sort of uh, they're sort of trying to build up a skill base so they can start their own pub or sort of something. Well, maybe not so different. Um, so yeah, and and for me, it was amazing to to sort of be able to. Just, just walk in and go. Hi, can I speak to whoever? And and them and them go. Oh yeah, yeah we'll yeah, go and yeah. get them for you. And, oh and, yeah, they're, they're, yeah. They're, I mean they're great people, and a lot of the people still remain there. And I think mm. that's why Rick and Sully have had such an easy time, and and why a lot of people who do the Scottish Comedy Festival, the programming from year to year doesn't really change, you know, because a, a lot of people are asked to come back, uh, and a lot of people jump at the chance to come back because they want to work with that particular staff base. So, uh, so I guess Taylor Walker, if nothing else, are pretty lucky to have that mob of people working at the Beehive Inn on Grass Market. So. I, think I, might, yeah. I think it might be bought over now. So. No, yeah, okay, right. Uninteresting fact. Chipped it's a green off. king now. It's green king. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry, detail, bad. Right, back to you, Bants. <laughs> <laughs> In terms of your own personal preference then, so when you're booking nights, so for example, the weekend, or even, because you also do like, uh, what's it called, Project X and Top, Top Banana? Yeah, so our programming is on okay. Tuesday, we have, it's often called a new material night, but our idea was that it is a new ideas night, a kind of comedy lab thing. It's experimental, it is, uh, you know, like there's, it's no holds barred. Whatever you want to try, come along and try it. Uh, Wednesday is our, I, I guess, like the standard Red Raw night, it's called Top Banana. It's about finding new acts and giving new people a chance to try out and, and we, do, we do it as a competition but it's very friendly it's not a gong show it's not ferocious um, so, so that's how you scout is that like your yeah 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 essentially yeah. and what we do is it's, it's kind of like the frog and bucket which is people get five minutes and then a winner is declared at the end and then they get to come along and do longer the next week or whenever is convenient for them Thursday is increasingly becoming well we want it as a tour show night but the, the big hit was always our improv stuff so it's now owned basically by a, a group called Spontaneous Players and they do a show called Spontaneous Sherlock which is a uh, an improvised full-length Shakespeare um, uh, Sherlock Holmes thing and and what they've and, and John's idea that they suggested which is a Spontaneous Potter which is a Harry Potter adventure that they do and they kind of alternate that every fortnight and they basically own Thursdays now. Fridays and Saturdays are our, our flagship weekend shows and Sunday we call Progress and it's a halfway house between our Wednesday top banana thing and getting to the weekends. It's like a weekend sensibility, but chilled enough that people can go, right, this is the next step. However, with all of that, we also have two rooms. We've got the main room and the original room, uh, named after the very first LA comedy store. And we do all kinds of just bizarre stuff down the stairs as well. Like all, like all So like Thursdays, we have all, all, like alternative nights. Sundays down the stairs, it's uh, To Be Continued is a, an improv group who invite all the improv players in Edinburgh, all the different groups, and they do that. Um, what do we? There's all, there's all kinds of stuff. Fuck, I can't even keep yeah. track. So, of it. but but as to as to booking and all, uh, what we do downstairs because it's sort of on its own. It's got its own bar. Uh, have you got an idea? You want to give it a go? Come give it a <laughs> I go. You were asking me later. Yeah. Well, if, like if you've got an idea, mate. If you've got an idea. Upstairs, Friday, Saturday, Sunday um, are all a book by Rick, Rick Molland. Um, he's the guy who works those nights. He compares those nights. Uh, he knows what it takes to uh, for comics to do well at those nights. And so he, is, uh, he books them. Tuesdays and Wednesdays uh, is a mix of everybody in the building. 
Uh, so Ben could put somebody in, I could put somebody in, Chris, David, Rick. If we feel, you know, we see somebody, you got you got to trust the people that are in the building as well. And that's how that's how you get in into those nights. Uh, what I'd say to anybody who's listening, going, hey, I'd like to come, uh, you know, come down and. and do comedy two roots you, you can just come down say hello it's amazing the people that will happily send you 50 emails and, and and but will not walk in the door until they've got a gig i think i find it bizarre but come down say hello it's like ben will be there or i'll be there or you know somebody will be there am pm yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah don't come at nine o'clock mate i've got brewery delivery yeah <laughs> actually it is worth reiterating that is that there's a guy who kept communicating with us who was like i just i hated reading the fucking stuff he was sending he was just so objectionable but uh he used to come i didn't know it was him but he used to come down and we'd come and see like all the midweek shows uh and eventually he said i'd like to do five minutes and we'd gotten a kind of like parallel pally relationship and i went on oh, what's your name and he said it i was like oh fuck you you're that guy and i went right okay i guess you seem fine go on uh and he absolutely kicked it in the dick he was is this there's this rory guy uh oh, right, yeah. who sorry rory if you're listening um He's the guy, he does his puns, but he's the most beautiful puns I've ever heard in my life. Like, some of them are absolutely amazing. Uh, and as a result, like, he wasn't the asshole that he came across as in his communications. Um, so, that, so that's definitely one way to come and support the club. Yeah. Uh, the, the other way is we just started uh, Monkey Barrel Polytechnic. Uh, it, you know, it's a bit of a laugh, but we do free courses, a four-week course stand-up, four-week course uh, improv, we're going to do four-week sketch. We're also going to uh, try and do, not be free, probably low-cost. We'll try and uh, set or offset the, the monies as much as we can, but clowning, acting for comedians, you know, the next level, joke writing, because uh, we want... To also do. emceeing as well. Yeah, and so we just want to build like the skill level in uh, in Edinburgh particularly. Um, and so we've just, we're in week, we just finished week three of the, the free stand-up. You know, there's 15, 20 people in it. They will obviously get stage time with us uh, and the opportunity to develop. Don't want to say favoritism, but you know, if you come to the course, we see that you, like you're, you're well into doing comedy. Um, why wouldn't we give you time to develop? And that's, you know, that, that helps Wednesdays and it helps Tuesdays. If people are, you know, not everyone's going to be a weekend comic. Other, other people are going to, well, they're not going to be an Edinburgh weekend comic. That's, that's a different thing, I guess. And so we need to create space for them and we need to um, help, help the, the skills um, grow. Because I think there's, there's, um, there are things in the Scottish scene that I'd like to see develop at a faster rate um, and also i guess pushing like-minded creators of stuff together mm-hmm. and going there you are i mean so one of the shows which was pretty good that we do in the original room the down the stairs room is uh, our friend phil o'shea does uh, peter pancake's comedy extravaganza uh, and every time we look at somebody who's a little more esoteric that we see coming through going well you're not getting there a friday but peter pancake's he might have something for you. I said that so creepy. <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't mean it like that. You know, but you yes. me straight in the face. Again, it's, about, it's about going, you people go and do what you do. And it will help, help Phil's uh, show because what happens, you get more of a base. It's not the same people you have to rely on. You don't have to fill gaps with you know, less because it's, it's supposed to be an out there uh, alternative show. So you, you don't have to fill some of the, the gaps with let's call it more straightforward comedy and so you can keep the vibe going keep the whole thing by again building and building and building and yeah i think i think polytechnic could you know an idea that we had for a for a muck about for a laugh could actually do some decent stuff yeah. um you know ask us in two years if it has i guess is, is the answer um 
but uh, but yeah. So how do you get on in Monkey Barrel? The easiest thing is just come say hello. Um, I, yeah, our guilt complexes are spectacular. So <laughs> the, so if you if you hassle us by email, could not give a fuck. If you show up and go. Please can I get on? <laughs> All right, okay, you can do thirty minutes. Is that enough? Please let that be enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I guess we're. I think that's quite different to. Well, not it's not different to little pop up gigs because that's basically what you do. Mm-hmm. It's certainly different to the stand. And yeah. other than the stand, I think most gigs are weekend gigs. So they're just looking for people who've got the skills already. That you know, that are up and ready to go. Maybe yes, bar will be different in Glasgow. Yeah, but Yes Bar, yeah. So Yes Bar, I guess, is 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 kind of on a par. It runs a show, I think, every night. But I think there's an individual promoter that runs each individual night. There's not there's not kind of one overarching management sensibility. I think it's Viv Gay. So Viv does the weekends, but then there's like, uh, is it? Oh God, what's his name now? Chrissy Chrissy Ross, who does like the Sunday nights, and it's uh, yeah yeah yeah. Sorry if I've forgotten your names. But (laughs) no, so yeah, because I'm a big time comedy guy now. I don't give a fuck. (laughs) But, but yeah, it, it changes. And what I say is, yeah, the best thing about people coming and saying hello is it gets you away from the bar or whatever tedious job you're doing. Yeah. So we'll quite happily have a chat to somebody and go right on your, on your pops. And yeah, that's how you get on with us is, you know, come down, say hello, and then we start. Wank off our egos and you're on, baby. <laughs> yes. That's where I'm going wrong. Okay. <laughs> Wanking off other things. Oh my God, your hair is amazing. <laughs> All right, would you like to headline Friday, Saturday night? Do, do you know how many... Right, everyone, email Ben and just have the the subject line, your hair looks amazing. Just just see how many people get voted. God, yeah. right, I'll turn off your email. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I mean, I just want to be clear here. I'm talking about my pubes, okay? I mean, I'm not talking about the what hair on my head. What else did you think I mean, we were... I thought you were talking about your chest hair, to be fair. Well, it is. Oh, God, don't do that joke. We're we're chest hair. Time to bust out of the material (laughs) seamlessly into conversation. (laughs) Please don't. I'm Uh, sat beside two men who have aggressive hair. Aggressive. Aggressive. Yeah, Kaney, baby, you've uh, you've fucking got it open. I mean, oh, my God. That is... What button? That must be four Uh, buttons down before it. That is like somebody has dropped black pasta on a floor. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you. It is like button number four. We we were hanging out in Edinburgh this year, like we went for a meal, and I can't remember what you said, but you said something like, I wouldn't have that few buttons undone or something like that. And I was like, (laughs) So yours yours is more dense than mine. Yeah, I mean, this is gold for this podcast. Mine just looks like a fucking Persian rug uh, hung on your back. I need to show more to get the same density out. Uh, No, I think think you'd make people uncomfortable on the tube, but that's. uh... Yeah, but I like that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Both of you are holding little furry microphones. I can't see either of them. <laughs> that's a, that's oh, a why are you both wearing black t-shirts? Oh. That's a euphemism, by the way. Uh, well, okay. Very <laughs> okay. Okay. okay, right, okay. We've, we've gone wrong. Uh, um, right, so last couple of questions I'm going to ask mm-hmm. was you opened and went straight to seven nights a week. Mm-hmm. And as you said, most clubs are weekends and, mm-hmm. and most clubs, when they open up, sort of ease themselves into that they don't mm-hmm. that you know even even sort of uh, purpose-built things kind of mm-hmm. try and take their time a little bit into getting to seven days a week just because there are different challenges like you said for weekend and for midweek and all that kind of stuff how why did you do that and how are you finding keeping the level of quality up that you want while balancing keeping open for seven days so, a week? Uh, we we actually open six days a week. We wanted to do seven. We just didn't think. We're, uh, occasionally, yeah, yeah. Occasionally <laughs> we do seven. So, well, yeah. I mean, so we found. So I guess one of the lucky things is that uh, friends who were 
radio producers started putting radio recordings our way and you know there would be other kind of like maybe muckabout shows or possibly even tour shows and stuff so we would occasionally they would be seven but like enough for us to go yeah we're, we're, we're seven nights a week but so why did we open seven straight away pretty simple you're on a business where the majority of your costs is fixed costs um, it makes sense to open it and all you need to do on that night is cover your variable costs your staff uh, your cost of goods you know it's, it's boring shit but the fundamental is most of your money goes out on, on rent and all that kind of stuff you'll be paying that anyway even if you're closed and so that's you know if you if you have a bub uh, another type of comedy club where you're in someone else's venue you might strike a different deal but we're paying most of our costs anyway so all you need to do is on, have a night cover for its variable costs and a little bit more to contribute and it makes it worthwhile uh, also it's legitimacy you, you get to go right we are a, we are a genuine comedy club if we hadn't have done it well, yeah we, we we probably would only be open three nights a week it's now and you may as well from our point of view is open it and see what happens you know and things will be a bit shit every now and again and you go okay well let's address that let's try and work that out uh, we would have made life a lot easier <laughs> if we didn't you know, financially, it makes reasonable sense. You know, um, I, I, sometimes you, you think, why are we opening? You know, because we made almost no money. We're like, well, almost no money is not no money. But that's 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 very rare and it is increasingly rare. I think, you know, Wednesdays are, are now pushing along very well. We have uh, Edinburgh Review uh, University downstairs every second week. So Wednesdays, bec- Wednesdays exist because we decided to open up. If we hadn't opened up seven days a week, I don't think the Wednesdays would be anything like they are now. So by opening up every, essentially every night, you can evolve quicker than I think, because at the minute, I think we'd be in a stage where we'd be going, right, we're going to we're gonna now open on Thursday. What's Thursday going to be? And you spend so long going, it's definitely going to be this thing. You don't get, we, uh, Thursday wouldn't be basically Sherlock and Potter improv nights if we hadn't have the whole thing open. So, it helps in that regard. Um, it helps us, I think, be a genuine comedy hub where I don't, I don't know, are, are places that are opening just the weekend comedy hubs? No, they're, they're just... Uh, well, they're not communities, they're not comedy yeah. communities. Uh, and yeah, and so we're working harder to make that even uh, more the case, particularly with downstairs. And getting some part of me didn't really think about not opening. We just assumed that's what you did. <laughs> opening a comedy club. Great. Yeah. Let's open every night. That's why we call him uh, Lord Sugar Daddy. That's, uh, <laughs> okay, that's, that's uh, the second glass of wine nearly finished. It's getting worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Of the same thing as that. It was just always going to be open all the time, immediately. <laughs> Even now. <laughs> yeah. Because I guess when the stands did, they did the same thing. Maybe they were only six, but what I, I don't think I, the information I didn't have at that time was that, that they'd spent so long building up each of their nights by trailing it around other Edinburgh venues before they hit the place that is theirs now. That, uh, that to all intents and purposes, it looked like they'd showed up in a building and then just went, here's everything, and perfect <laughs> to begin with. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that's kind of the thing I like about this, doing podcasts like this, is you you only really see the end result normally. Mm-hmm. And for me, the process of getting to that result is a lot more interesting, generally speaking, than, than the actual end point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I think every comedy club that we ever modelled the place after was always open for, if not all seven nights, at least six, at least five. And to be frank, if we wanted stage time, we weren't going to get it 
on Friday, Saturday. So, was, well, not that we weren't going to get it. We just didn't want it. Like, if we wanted to be weekend comics, I don't think we'd have ever opened a comedy club. Yeah, I mean, we spent what, what, time becoming good weekend comics. Yeah, why? I mean, why are we good? I think at what we do, if if I can say that, is because we won't book ourselves for our own week <laughs> for our own weekend gigs. We look into ourselves and go, oh, you know, I wouldn't. Don't send me a clip. You, I don't. You're not getting booked. You're not. No, you're not even doing the ten spot. Don't even worry about it. I've got a great like visual of you just emailing John, going, please put me on this week. Please, please, hear, please consider replying, me. No, not with that hair. No. <laughs> what are you kidding me? With that another joke? hair comic. Another hair comic. <laughs> <laughs> because we used to, because we used to do, we used to put each of us on when we did the beehive, yeah. and I think we understood it was like, oh, a, we don't want to be that, and b, we aren't that. There are yeah. genuinely people who are better yeah. that we can maneuver into places where they will be better for for the good of all things, you know. Well, not the good of all things. Christ, that sounds fucking like like I'm a wizard or something. But. <laughs> Well, that's what you originally wanted to call the club. Oh my god, do you want to hear what the club was going to be called? On, Fuck what? a dog in the ass. Okay. This is so funny. Well, okay, go on. Why, why is it called Monkey Barrel? Okay, why is and, it called Monkey Barrel? Let's start okay. let's so, 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 okay, so, so when we knew we were going to move, we thought, well, we're not going to be the Beehive Comedy Club. We need something that we can move and take in its hours. I was like, okay, so I come up with all, like all these names, all these name, name, names, like, you know, like name it after comedy movies you like, or significant uh, comedians, or routines, or something, you know, like, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I was like, okay, well, I, and it was just, it was one of those days where you'd been spending, it was like, it was a Tuesday, and I was staring at a screen trying to come up with a name for a thing, and I was like, what about the way ABBA did what they did, and like, A-B-B-B-A, it's all, you know, something to do with the people who are in it. What about taking the name John Miller and Ben Verth and putting it in one of those uh, like algorithm machines on the internet because I'm a cool hip guy that knows technology. <laughs> and uh, and just going, like, what words, what names, what things come out if you rearrange all those letters? And so just, and then there was like, there was, okay, so one of the things that came up was uh, Merlin's hernia. And I was like, fuck, that's it, that's Merlin's great. hernia, that is funny. I can even imagine what the little comedic sign outside was going to be. It was like going to be a wizard and I got a sparkly purple cape holding his side going, ah, like that. And then people would go, hey, you're going to, are going to go over the hernia later on? Or they're going to go over the wizard? Um, and I was like, John, mate, it's Merlin's hernia. Get, get, start getting the hernia. <laughs> I did yeah. notepaper ready because we are doing this. Like, like that's the first stage of a comedy club. Head of notepaper. Head of notepaper. Head of notepaper and badges. That's how. That's can, how business is. I, I, can, I can see why he's on board now because he's just like there is a lot more than John. What do you do with a budget, Ben? We got a hundred thousand tiny pens. <laughs> hundred thousand. We're going to need more than that, fella. Get back to the supplier if right now. If you get two hundred and fifty thousand, they give you a bulk discount. Get on it. So I remember. I remember going. Now let's turn your fuck yes. This is what we're going to be called. It's going to be so funny. People are going to laugh. It doesn't sound disgusting at all. And I went around to a pub to meet my girlfriend at the time, uh, who who I went, let me tell you, sit down. You're going to need a drink for this. It's called Merlin's Hernia. And she just went, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Oh, uh, why don't, what are you top Merlin's Hernia? That is, why don't you call it something like fucking monkey barrel or something I went okay yeah that's perfect <laughs> like, that's cancel, perfect cancel the order John, cancel mate, the order, John. John you haven't bought the 7 billion pens have you yet <laughs> tell them to stop we're calling it monkey monkey barrel monkey barrel that's what it's called anyway we're not together anymore <laughs> 
for you and John. Yeah, that's, 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 we have broken up. Yeah, so I've taken monkey, you have taken bat. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, so that's what it, that's why it's called that. Uh, okay. Because yeah, because I bad. was as so often as the case <laughs> wrong as fuck. Do you know, okay. But also I can't think of anything interesting. Well, you wanted you wanted to call one night that we were going to do at the Beehive as a new material, and I just called the laughter, like like just <laughs> that just, is so creepy, just creep. Like, I mean, like I'm saying it creepy, but it's like let's just let's just start the ball rolling and call it the laughter. It's like oh, the kind of laughter you hear before you knife a guy at a bus stop or something. <laughs> what? Like so, I had like I think knock knock comedy was something I had, and I think there's live laughter was class. another one as well. Yeah? Like, live laughter, well, live laughter was something else. So like you know, a hundred ideas before I had a comedy club, <laughs> but yeah, I thought I wanted to call it knock knock comedy, yeah. um, but I was told that was too boring. Um, you know, and eventually, I, it doesn't really matter what you call something. It's about what you then do on the back of it that imbues that with. Well, I mean, you, your daughter Derek would have something to say on that subject. <laughs> he certainly wouldn't. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so but yeah, because I got a friend who had an estate agency firm, and he had the most bizarre name ever. It's called Movate. M O V eight doesn't make any sense. Can't spell it. People say it, and they go, "What house?" But but it's a big business now and people in Edinburgh now understand what that means hmm. and it's linked intrinsically with that business. Names are, you know... Over- yeah, like why is it Zoopla, Zoopla? Because all the good domains are taken. Because it's, <laughs> yeah. It's, <laughs> so, it's, um, so, yeah. You, 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 you sound like the German Empire in 1911. <laughs> all the good names. All the good names. Like, like Britain's got them all. So that's, you know, it was not a horrific name seems to you know suggest it's not you know it's a bit of a laugh and so that was it we went down the classic pick an animal but it does seem quite lucky in that one of the most successful marketing things i think we do is john's idea but of course is that rather than just when we go out flyering we also uh, give out free bananas like so you know it's not just like, here's a flyer it's here's a banana also here's a flyer and it's like people fuck it, it turns out people fucking love bananas what would we fucking hand out if it was Merlin's hernia? Like colostomy bags? I don't know what I mean. Boil in the bag curry. So I don't I don't know. Oh man. I I might take this out, but I'll tell you what, I had an idea for a show for next year. Yeah. And I'm going to, I've already emailed uh, like a few places and I was going to have it at 2 No monkey barrel, mate. Not yet. Because Checked our inbox this morning. I'm going to have it at 2.30, it's going to be called The Dentist Show. Yes. Do you know why? No, do you know what? what? Do you know what? The Dentist Show. So yeah. it's going to have it at 2.30 called The Dentist. It's going to be 2.30. 2.30. Yeah, but do you know why? Do you know why? This is why. It's, it's shit, but here's why. Because I want people, hell. listen, listen. I want people. <laughs> Let me explain to you why it's good. Okay. Because okay. I want people this around could take a Edinburgh. Long time. Around Edinburgh. Just remember who you're talking to, mate. The industry. So, <laughs> so, so, pitch the <laughs> shit out of this, this mate. This is, how I, this is, how I this is industry feedback. It's shit, mate. This is how I pitch a show. Um, <laughs> it's not us telling you, mate. It's going to be Barry Free Angel or Nika Burns or something. Let me, let me tell you this. So, yeah. what I want is I want people around Edinburgh to be reading the magazine, and I'll turn to their mate and go, "Should we go see the dentist?" And I go, "Sure. What time's it on?" Oh, for fuck's sake. I just want people getting angry repeatedly over and over again about how stupid that is and then coming to the show and going, that's shit, but we're here. That is, that is the vibe of the Edinburgh Festival <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So, I, come on. Any title you can do just to get people in the door. Could you, could that's you, what it's all but about. But you've got to admit, that would, that would drive you insane if you read that in the brochure. It would, it would be I, s- I would probably glance past that and it, some uh, somebody who'd called the show fuckity fuck bucket the fuck bucket adventures of a fuck bucket well, that's my other title that's <laughs> like so you will get like top trumps in any name game you play or ah 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 
comedy. I, I really do hate it when they do that other thing, but I thought I thought mine was quite funny, but all right. It is quite funny. Quite, but not funny enough. Okay, okay. good. Okay, just, uh, you know, work on the actual show. That, I, I am, but the problem is I need a title before I start working on it. That's the problem. So I've, t- I've got the title and now I've started working okay, on it. So, so, uh, I've already booked five. So at the moment, yeah, I'll probably, choose, I'll probably change it when I got to the It's called The Dentist. It's a tooth hurty. And um, <laughs> it's about how your dead father uh, spoke to you from a dream to tell you you had d- d- gum cancer. <laughs> and how your 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 whole life has now much better uh, and you are now married to the three girls that you love <laughs> no no my, my dad's not dead yet so I can't do that show okay where I've been do, I've been waiting well that's a lack of commitment mate I, so you, you saw you saw my the big question though is where would it be the dentist 2.30 at you know needs to be at a certain place can't just go at like the assembly <laughs> well at sweet venues yes. that would be yeah. that well, would be well, I, was, I was actually emailing uh, I have already emailed I, I actually emailed the uh, fudge shop because I thought that'd be a fun place to do it. Be like the de- the. Why would you see the dentist at a well, fun shop? We, yeah, come come to see a show because <laughs> what the pro- your produce requires people to go to the dentist because it's so horrifically bad for your teeth. Every night at two thirty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, we've got an in with the fudge shop. Our friend Ray works. Oh, there, I know Ray. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. That's how I got the in with oh, the fudge yeah, shop. Yeah, you did his afternoon tea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, so, plus I know him a little bit, so he's nice. Yeah. Okay, well, good guy. Okay, well, over on his Facebook page, he thinks you're a cunt. So. I'm sure he does. Everyone does. <laughs> Name me one person that's thinking I'm a cunt, and that brings me me. N- yeah, right. That means. <laughs> okay, uh, let's do two quick fire questions and then wrap up. So that means we can absolutely burn it if this is not gonna. <laughs> no, let's not do that. Let's, <laughs> let's, oh let's, let's take the last two questions okay. seriously sure. and you can finish that glass of wine. Okay. Um, so, first one is uh, Who is the most underrated person in the, let's say, Scottish comedy circuit? You can't say Vladimir, you're not passing it back. <laughs> Probably, I don't is he underrated? Is, is Naz underrated? Oh, Naz is a good show. So I think I think he's doing interesting things. I think he's as well as I think trying to get a comedy club in Aberdeen. He's also Naz Hussein, yeah, who yeah. runs Breakneck Comedy in uh, in the northeast. And so yeah, he's got he's going out into sort of regional areas um, and and doing you know it's not just got a city centre one. He does a lot of things that I'm quite jealous of. That why why don't we do? But um, you know whether we get round to it. But he, he's he's started or he was certainly seriously influential in Aberdeen Comedy Festival becoming a thing. So he's doing a lot. I don't know. If, you know, is he underrated? I don't know. I don't um, don't know who rates people really. Um, so he's doing really good things. I think. Um, he deserves a lot of credit for what he's doing in uh, a bit of the country that comedy was pretty like, non-existent before he started it. I'm sure somebody will turn around and say, no, it wasn't. But, um, you know, he, at Nancy Sain, is doing great things. Do you agree with that one? Or you want to yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And the other thing is, uh, I'm going to slightly edit this because I was originally going to ask you, uh, what's the biggest problem with the Scottish circuit and how would you go about solving it? Mm-hmm. But I feel like you kind of covered that with, with the progression issue. So maybe if I change it to, what is the biggest problem in the Edinburgh Fringe and how would you go about solving it? Well, I think John's already talked about that right at the, the start. Uh, I think that because there are two behemoth-free... Uh, I mean, okay, I mean I'll, I'll be a bit more caustic than, than he was, is that I think because there are two big behemoth-free uh, organisations, 
what it actually brings as well is because it seems like there's a genuine power struggle rivalry. It also brings that there's a, I think there, I genuinely think there is a, a, a CD element to the free fringe now that exists. Uh, and that could all be swept away. Like genuinely, we could get back on track of being a meritocracy uh, by just having, as John suggested, smaller, uh, more passionate, uh, more rigorous organisations. Yeah, like, I agree. I think there's just a lot of power in you know too few hands and i get it in the paid for because that's money money makes that a thing uh and you know if you want to break into that it'll take time um but but for the free there is simply they got there first so they um uh, inherently have a lot a lot of the real estate i guess and I, i think that is unhealthy for for comedy and i think I think it's inevitable it'll break up. It's just just a case of time, because younger people come into the game and they go, "Ah, this is my, this is how I want to develop things. This is how," um, and and you know, at some point it, it will become fragmented, and there'll be uh, even if there are even if there are five or six large-ish free things instead of uh, two, and I think. Um, that'll start, and then I think there'll be it'll feel more like the fringe. It'll be what I imagine people would hope the fringe would be is lots of people just independently trying to do something interesting. Um, and um, I don't see why, if if we would expect that from artistic output, why we wouldn't expect that from the organisational element of it. Um, and I think that that's where it will go. Uh, I just want to also end by saying they have done great things for for the fringe. That what what PBH and uh, Laughing Horse latterly have done has been tremendous for the fringe. Um, I just think th- that part of the fringe will evolve and, and will evolve into um, more independence, and it should do. Don't say anything else. I have great hair. <laughs> Let's end it there. Thank you very much for coming. <laughs> That was Ben and John. I adored hearing their thoughts about how there's too much power in the hands of too few venues. I loved hearing their thoughts on local comedy awards and how they could elevate individuals as well as clubs and make a real difference to people's lives and careers and businesses. There was so much in this that I really enjoyed, talking about the Edinburgh Festival, talking about the Scottish circuit, which I love going up and doing because gigs in Scotland are just amazing. For me, this is a really fun one and it was a really uh, nice opportunity to get a couple of mates in a room and chat about comedy, really, and, and the industry in a, in a nice, relaxed environment. So I hope you got a lot out of that as well. Um, if you like this episode, um, you can look up the pods with Mark Tuggan, who founded the Glee Club, Barry and Sarah, who founded the Angel Comedy Club, and many, many more. There's lo- Seriously, go to my website, click Comedy Clubs, and there's about 13 of them all around the country. So not like comedy clubs, there's 13 podcasts that are linked to people who have founded comedy clubs. That's a better way of saying it, isn't it, Simon? Before I forget, our first ever day of panels is coming up on the 17th of February. It's from midday till 5pm and it's at the Bill Murray in Angel. It's specifically for people who are doing their first hour at the Edinburgh Festival or who are looking at going up and doing their first show at the Edinburgh Festival. Personally, I think a lot of people are going to get a lot out of this. 
and it's going to provide a lot of answers and debunk a lot of myths. Come down with your questions. There'll be three panels. There'll be one that includes a bunch of venue owners where you can ask them stuff about how they run, how they operate, how to know what room to pick with them, how to avoid pitfalls that they've seen people make time and time and time again. I'm also going to have one with a bunch of PRs which allow you to ask them exactly what they do for you, exactly what they won't do for you, exactly when to approach them, how to approach them, what not to do, all the, the stuff that you're used to with this podcast, but you can ask your own questions directly. And in between every panel, there'll be time to mingle and chat. It's in the Bill Murray in Angel in London. I'm sorry if you're abroad. I, I can't help the, the location of where I live. But um, as I said, it will be recorded. If you buy a ticket, you'll get a free copy of that recording. If you're a patron, you'll also get a free copy of that recording. If you want to buy a copy of that recording, it'll be on sale a few months after the day itself. So please do keep an eye out for that. Tickets are £20. There's a link in the show notes. And I'm doing it as a profit share for me and all the guests, which means that they can have a bit of money to cover their expenses, like travel and food and all that stuff. They're basically doing it because they believe in this podcast, they believe in the event, and they believe that this is a good thing to have a dialogue with people. The Bill Murray and the Angel team are really supportive as well, and I actually have plans, assuming this one goes well, to do the same thing again, but for the TV industry, where I'll have a panel of TV commissioners, a panel of independent producers, and a panel of people who freelance in the industry who have worked in it for more than, say, 20 years to come down and talk about their job and talk about how you as a writer or a producer or a comedian can break into whatever area you want to. So if you want to support me, you want this to go well, please spread the word. Please tell a friend. If you can't make it, please tell someone who can. That'd be really helpful. That'd be really appreciated. The event is taking up a lot of my time and it's a lot of effort, but I think it's worth doing because long term, this is going to be something that I'd like to carry on doing more of where we all get a chance to network and talk in a safe and comfortable and lovely environment where it's not really as pressured as normal networking. I hate networking. I want to say that up front. For me, networking is really stressful. So I like being able to just talk to people in an environment where we know why we're there, but we're not like pressured into feeling like we have to talk or that I have this, uh, you know, it's just a nicer environment I'm trying to cultivate for people who want to quote unquote network. So if you want to come, it's the 17th of February. It's from midday to 5pm. If you have a look on the Facebook event, it'll tell you when the panels are. So if you only want to come to one or two of them, you can. And in between them, there'll be a gap of half an hour, 40 minutes, whatever, where you can talk to people individually, learn about them a bit more and talk to the people that you'll be working with, hopefully for all of August, say next year, but also going forward. I I personally work with the same people over and over and over again because I know they're decent people. I know they're amazing to work with and I know they're not going to screw me over. So look at this as not a short-term thing if you want. That's all I'm going to say on that event. But do check out the link in the the description. It's uh, got a Facebook event and a ticket link. If you're new here, please do hit the subscribe button. If you're old here, please do give us an honest review in iTunes. And either way, please do consider joining the Facebook group or giving us a donation. If you've enjoyed this and you think it's worth a quid, please send it my way. It would be really appreciated. And if you wanted to give a regular donation, you can go to patreon.com and donate from as little as $1 an episode. Was this worth 80p? I think so. Uh, I don't don't know what that translates to in other countries because I know we've got a big influx of listeners in America. So obviously I don't need to do any 
conversion there, um, Australia and uh, Asia. So um, I'm not sure what that converts to, but in England, it's about 80p. Still about 75% of the audience is there. Please do donate. If you're listening to this at the time that it was originally put out, which is January 2018, I've been asked by Ben and John and the whole team at Monkey Barrel to make you aware that they are taking applications for the Edinburgh Festival. So if you think they are the kind of place that your show would suit, please do go to their website and have a look and apply. You can do that at monkeybarrel.co.uk. All links for that are in the show notes, or you can just search Monkey Barrel Comedy Club on Google and I'm sure it will come up. The RC Industry Podcast is a Fruit That Got In Gravity's Way production for the internet. All elements were created by me, comedian Simon Kane. Thank you very much for listening, thank you very much for subscribing, and thank you very much for rating and donating if you do. I'll see you all in about 14 days' time. Bye! Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 